to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. everybody. We are so glad that you're here today. Welcome to episode 56 of the Life Lessons podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing fairly well. I'm tired. I can't remember if I told, I don't think I told the listeners, we have a new puppy. Uh, Yeah, you haven't told the listeners yet because I don't know, have we recorded since you got the puppy? Yeah, we recorded last Wednesday and I just realized I don't think I mentioned anything about the new puppy. I got a new puppy and anybody in the community knows because I posted pictures of her and my husband got on and asked for some potty training help last week and um she's a stubborn little thing she is adorable I've seen like videos and photos she's a little baby bulldog so cute y'all she's so cute but she is on naughty honory honory she talks back and she is feisty, but yeah, my husband and I are doing shifts at night now to take her out because she's still little. She's just turned eight weeks, so we have to get up every couple hours. And and this is why Jen has cats. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, you don't have to take a cat out. Yeah, my sleep has suffered the last two weeks for sure. I'm like, okay, let's get her to where she can sleep through the night in her kennel. Yeah, that'll be a big victory, but she's not doing it yet, right? Not yet. Not yet. We go about three hours. So she hasn't had an accident in a couple of days. So we're we're gaining ground. She's figuring it out. She's fun, but she's work, man. I forgot how long. It's been a while since we've had a puppy. Well, you know, kittens are work, too. It's a different kind of work because you look over and it's climbing the drapes. <laughs> Will was staying with us a little bit in the fall, and he brought his kitten over because he was staying here i'm like bring your cat over and then it's like clawing my grass cloth wallpaper that we just had installed that was you know like really expensive and it's clawing the curtains and climbing the and i'm like and then it had fleas which now we're still battling still battling the fleas i just dusted everything yesterday with dichotomous earth because you know i'm don't want to spray my house down with toxic pest stuff but you know we don't want to have fleas so dichotomous earth, that's what we're doing to supposed to get rid of the fleas. So it's very messy. So I'm like, well, this cat is going to have to go. So I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever have another kitten. <laughs> At least I keep thinking it's not a baby. It's going to grow up faster than a baby would. Well, before we get started with uh, today's episode, we first we want to give a big thank you to the Life Lessons listeners who made a contribution to help support the podcast. Your generous donations paid for us to produce five episodes of the podcast. So I want to extend a special thank you to Apple, Christine, April, Carol, Terry, Sue, Jennifer, Amanda, and Tammy. So thank you so much. And we love that you are enjoying the podcast enough to help contribute to it. 
And we've we've been, you know, really brainstorming. We love doing the podcast and we don't want to stop doing it. So we're we're brainstorming. We're coming up with some great ideas. And so stay tuned. But we appreciate that. That helped us get through, like Sherry said, five episodes and we we felt the community love. So now it's time for our weekly good news segment. And this was an email that we received the other day from a listener. She wrote, Hi, Jen and Sherry. I want to tell you both that I love you guys. And I wanted to tell you guys about some exceptional customer service. My name is Anna Maria, and I'm writing from Long Island, New York. And about three weeks ago, I'd fallen at work, injuring my shoulder and knee. I had been using a sling as I could not lift my arm. A friend and I went to do some shopping, and we decided to get our nails done. We went to a nail spa that we had never been to before. My friend was getting a pedicure as well, so while I picked my color, they started her pedicure. As I sat at the table to start my nails, I realized that the table was higher up than anticipated and I would not be able to do my nails because I couldn't lift my arm. Delia came over and asked if I was ready and I apologized and I explained that I was going to have to wait until my arm was better and I could lift my arm. She kindly told me that if I wanted to, I could still have them done, that she would make it work. So she sat down next to me, putting all of her tools on her lap and gave me the best manicure. She was so careful with my arm and so very patient and kind. I thanked her a million times and told her that she really made me feel so special with her kindness. It was the simplest act of kindness, but it made a huge difference to me. We left with a business card in hand, promising that we would be back. Thank you again, Delia. And if anyone is in the Mount Sinai area in New York, stop by the Jennifer Diana Nail Spa. Oh, that is so sweet. That is sweet. You know, there's some amazing people out there. Yeah. I mean, she could have just as easily said, okay, next. See you next time. Yeah, exactly. But she's like, no, we're going to make it work. And it was probably uncomfortable for her to do it like that. And But she did it. That was great. So listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, we usually like to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. But today I want to talk about Cleanish because it relates to the podcast as well. So we are, by the time this episode comes out, we are two weeks away which I can't believe, from Cleanish coming out, my new book. So on episode 58, two episodes from today, we will begin our Life Lessons Community Book Study of Cleanish. So every even episode, 58, 60, 62, I'm not really sure how many yet because I haven't planned it yet. Well, by the time this comes out, it will be planned, but I'm working on that now. But we will know by then. But for every other episode, the even episodes, we're going to work through sections of Cleanish together as a community. We're going to be taking your questions, look for all of that. The first episode will be January 5th, and the book will get to you on January 4th if you pre-order. So make sure to pre-order Cleanish. And I would like to ask you just a little favor if you could, if you're pre-ordering it so you can take part in the book study. Don't pre-order it from Amazon if possible. Now, I'm not anti-Amazon. I'm not telling you not to use Amazon. I order everything from Amazon all the time. But it really helps when they're doing like the bestseller lists and all the different rankings of books. They want to see that books are coming from different sellers. So that's just a little tip for you as a consumer of any book. It actually helps to have 
orders from Barnes and Noble and also local bookstores. Did you know that, Sherry? Like it makes a difference. Like if 100% of the books only were sold on Amazon, that affects how your sales are tallied up. Like they don't like, like for example, you know, Fast Feast Repeat was a New York Times bestseller, but no one really knows exactly what the formula is except for the New York Times. I wonder, you know, like if it is based off of buyers of the book. And so since Amazon is like a buyer, so maybe they buy a huge quantity, but that's just one buyer. Maybe. I'm not really sure. I just know that my editor is like, we got a lot of great, you know, a lot of great sales on Amazon, but not as many in the other places. So if anybody hasn't pre-ordered yet and it's convenient for you to order it somewhere else, that would actually be helpful. So anyway, just a little little something out there. But um, you do not have to have the whole book read by January 5th. <laughs> In fact, it's okay if it doesn't even arrive till, you know, the 6th, maybe your delivery's late. The first episode, we're just going to be kind of setting things up and then giving you like like what's to come. So, you know, we'll be doing it like, like here's what you're going to work on for the next, you know, two weeks kind of a thing as we talk about the topics. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we are going to talk about slowing the hands of time with Dr. Jordana Quinn. You know, Jen and I, one of the reasons we live an intermittent fasting lifestyle is we want to slow the hands of time and we want to age gracefully while maintaining optimal health, wellness, and mobility. So we're all gonna age, it's inevitable. That's the gift we get as we live this life. But some of aging comes down to what we can control and we can control how we age. Some of it comes down to genetics or exposure to harmful toxins over our life that we may not have been able to control. But so much of aging, it is controlled through diets, reduced exposure to toxins, and proactive management of our health. And so today, Dr. Jordana Quinn, a board-certified physician who specializes in regenerative, functional, and anti-aging medicine, is here to talk with us today to share some of her insight with our listeners. So welcome, Dr. Quinn. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So if you will, just tell our listeners a little bit about your background and uh, what led you to your specialty. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a combination of my upbringing and my passion in life. So I became a physician, honestly, because I love science and I love helping people. And so being a physician is the beautiful mesh of those two things. And then specifically picked my board certification, which is physical medicine and rehab. I've been a lifelong athlete. And so that's kind of one way to get into sports medicine, but also physical medicine is a study of your physical health. So anything that makes you move abnormally. So from brain injuries, the spinal cord injuries, sports medicine, all sorts of movement disorders. And from there, I kind of traditional medicine for a little while, sports medicine and pain management. And then while I was in residency, a new field of medicine was emerging called regenerative medicine, which is using your body's own natural healing abilities to heal itself. And it's in many areas of medicine, but I was particularly interested in where it crossed over with sports medicine. And so we could take your body's healing cells and re-inject them back into you to prevent orthopedic surgery and help you heal and get back to your sport. And so I found that type of medicine and basically found someone in Colorado who would mentor me in that field. And he was an anti-aging medicine specialist and mentored me in the whole field of anti-aging medicine. So I've always been more 
naturally medicine minded. I think being an athlete growing up and having a mother that cooked all of our meals and natural food and all of that, it just kind of made sense to me. And so when I found the whole field of anti-aging medicine, it was just like a magnet for me. And I felt honestly home in medicine. Like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So you're actually a DO versus MD, which I actually, once I learned the difference between DO and MD, I always look for DO over MD personally. Would you explain the difference? Because sometimes people don't know. They're like, what is DO? Totally. Are you a bone doctor? You know, what do you do? I mean, I always find, honestly, like people who tell me that they look for a DO over an MD a little bit funny, but, you know, everyone has their own experience with humans. And so maybe you've had not so nice MDs, but so an MD and a DO educational wise is the same education. We are required to take the same classes, except that also to be a DO, you have to learn hands-on manipulations. We're learning all of the same things as you do in med. I mean, it's medical school. So all the curriculum is... You know, you get a board certification because it's very structured and it's exactly the same as an MD, but we're also learning. So essentially it's more anatomy. And then we put our hands on people and we learn different ways of doing adjustments, kind of like chiropractic. Actually, chiropractic came out of osteopathy, which is interesting. So chiropractic became a whole specialty out of osteopathy. So we learn, I mean, honestly, between five and 10 different styles of manipulations. And so the reason I think a lot of people like to go to DOs is because we do tend, so it tends to attract a more holistically minded physician, but not always. I mean, there's plenty of DOs who are general surgeons, emergency physicians. I mean, we, you know, all, we go into all the specialties. I was the only DO in my residency program. So does that explain? It does. I kind of, in my mind, tell me where I might be going wrong with my thinking. My thinking has always been that a DO is more going to be searching for root causes versus just treating symptoms. Does that sound true? No. Because we are learning hands-on manipulations, we are honestly learning a lot more anatomy. So we learn anatomy over and over again. And so, and we learn how your physiology affects your anatomy and how your anatomy affects your physiology. And so how they're interconnected. And so we can put our hands on people and, you know, I mean, it's, it's really easy to feel after you do it for a while, you know, like there's some, like a rib out of place or something that's very tangible and you put it back into place and that would be, and so an example of your anatomy affecting your physiology is out of place, I have pain, right? So anatomy being the structure, physiology being the reaction. But sometimes actually things can be out of place because something internally is going on and so then your body reacts by being out of place. And so like, I can't think of something, you know, right now because I'm on the spot, but it can happen both ways. And so I- Basically, it just affects how your body functions. When it's all out of whack, you got to get it back into alignment, get everything back how it needs to be, and then it can function better. It all helps, right? I mean, if you're in alignment, it's going to help optimize your ability to function properly. If you're not eating well, I mean, it, it, it's all affected, right? If you eat well, intermittent fast, if you sleep enough, if it all is going to help optimize your body's ability to function in a certain way. Right. I used to work with a DO. And it's funny, you said, Jen, that you prefer to go to DO, but I've heard from so many patients that they don't think DOs are real doctors because they don't have MD. Well, because they don't understand that that you're the same, you have the same training, only it sounds like more. You have the same plus. But my son has lots of allergies and asthma. He was born with that, some IgG deficiency, had really, really bad debilitating headaches as a young child, toddler, grade school. And we ruled out everything we did MRIs. We, I mean, obviously he was on food restrictions, the whole thing. We could not get his headaches under control until the doctor I worked with said, let me see him. 
And he laid him down and put his hands on him. And he said, I can tell you what's going on with him right now. It's all spine related. And after, I think, three adjustments of his kind of neck and shoulder area, migraine stopped. He was a DO, yes. So then my son Parker, you know, he would go and he'd be like, Mom, I'm kind of, I was kind of getting a headache at school today. And we would go back. He would get a manipulation. He would never get into that puking headache migraine cycle again. And so he just, it's 22 years old. He still goes in, he gets, he calls it getting tweaked and uh, his headaches have stayed at bay. That's so awesome. I love when that happens. I mean, I could tell you a handful of stories like every now and then you have this, I don't know, connection with someone. I mean, I do a lot of adjustments, but, but not all DOs do adjustments, but I've had many times where I do something and have a spectacular outcome. Does that happen 100% of the time? No, but it's very cool when it does. I mean, people generally feel better. You know, like sometimes you get a massage and you're like, oh, I feel good. And sometimes you get a massage and you're like, that changed whatever ailment. And so obviously that can happen with anything in medicine, right? Is you find the right cause or cure and it could change someone's life. So, right. I mean, what do you have to lose but to try it? You could gain health and feeling good and sleeping better. And it's natural. I mean, it's just like an adjustment. It's not like you're giving someone a pill or... So on your website, when I went to your website, the first like three words I noticed really were renew, regenerate, and revitalize, which I just, to me, those are powerful words. So start there. Like, I feel like those words are powerful to your practice or they wouldn't be on your website. Explain the importance. What, what does that mean to you? I mean, to me, so they're, they're in no particular order. So I'm going to start in a different order than you went with. But, you know, at revitalize is kind of like you really want to, to me, it's like energy and feel good and stay young, right? And so there's so many aspects to that with, you know, if you don't have enough energy to do your job or play with your kids or do your sport or whatever it is, you know, you just don't feel good. And so I really feel like revitalize how it relates to my practice is to really, I mean, that's when it comes to like focusing on the root cause and just things that you can do in your everyday life to bring back energy and vitality to your life. Because really, if we don't have health, we have nothing, right? I mean, and if we don't feel good and half of 50% of feeling good is in our brains, if we don't feel good, we also have nothing, right? I mean, you could wake up tomorrow being depressed and seemingly your life feels really different when actually nothing else has changed. So 50% of it really is up here. Regenerate is just, you know, I I started my practice with regenerative medicine. That is really what, I mean, I'm passionate about all of what I do because I created a practice of just the things I love, but coming from a sports medicine background and finding regenerative Regenerative medicine. I mean, that is just like the coolest thing in medicine these days that we can do, I think, is take your body cells, mix them up a bit and inject them into an area and you don't have to get surgery. Like, how awesome is that? Our bodies are like amazing machines, aren't they? They're amazing. If we fuel them appropriately, as you know, which is, you know, we give them the right things that they need and then renew, you know, we want to feel young and, and do what we can to kind of renew ourselves and renew our health. So on that regard, what are the top three things that you would recommend people do to slow the hands of time? I know it might be hard to think of three. Feel free to <laughs> elaborate beyond three. Name 12,000. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you can I think the three that people can do, they can do on their own, but they are not easy. And that is the beauty of anti-aging medicine is that you can do, and so I'll give you three to five, but then, you know, and then you can see a physician to really help boost some of those things. But the three things, the number one by a long shot is decreased stress. So whatever you can do to decrease stress in your life, and obviously life happens in their stressful situations, but really 
decreasing the input of stress. So whether that's drama, whether that's the people you invite in your life, whether that's that's the toxins and sort of other things, but those are less so, but really decrease if your job is stressful, honestly, fine. Like we only get this life once and stress kills more than anything else. So, but then also, so not only decrease or decreasing what you consume as stress, but then how you react to stress. And so, you know, being mindful, doing breath work, meditating, doing yoga, whatever that is for you that is going to help on the long term decrease your response to stress. So when you have something like road rage shouldn't be a thing in your life. Like that shouldn't be, it shouldn't be someone does something and you're like, boom, like, and that's your, if that's the stress level you're at, you need to work on like, okay, let me take a breath. Like that person just didn't see me or, and so stress by far is the number one. You can do that on your own and there's many tools you can use. For that, that is a great, you, when you said that though, I just kind of had that aha moment. I mean, Lord knows I drive through downtown to get to work and get home from work and I instantly am like, Urgh. but what I've noticed is when I'm driving to work, it doesn't bother me. But when I'm leaving work after working all night, that's when suddenly I am very road ragey. And that, you're right, that's stress. Yeah, I'm done. I've worked three nights over the weekend and I'm tired. It's Monday morning. I just want to get home and I am definitely road ragey on Monday morning. That's a good barometer. Totally. Well, and sleep, that kind of- Is it sleep number two? Sleep is number two, which helps decrease stress. Um, But sleep is very regenerative for your brain and for your body, right? Your glymphatic system. Yes, totally. (laughs) For everything. I mean, so, you know, if you're not sleeping, your stress level, you're always kind of going to be like this pot of water just about to boil, right? I mean, when I was in... Well, college and med school, both at separate times, just studying, you know, like staying awake for like a week at a time. I mean, at some point, like lights were changing and like, you know, like, so you're like literally physical things are happening to kind of force you to sleep. And I could push through some no sleep like no one else. Like I am good at staying awake forever and it's just terrible for you. So sleep is definitely number two on my list. And number three is kind of like five things, but, you know, honestly, food, food is huge. And what you put into your body is so, so, so important. You know, it affects everything. A, you need like enough nutrient dense food. The timing of when you eat is important and the quality of food is important. And so that's important. Also, I mean, I put exercise way up there. You know, it does not have to mean that you're going to go run an ultra marathon. And that's the only way I actually think too much exercise is also a bad thing. But exercise you know, whether it's walking 30 minutes a day or dancing, it's really important. We got to keep our bodies, we got to move them. I remember my grandmother watching her. She became very sedentary and went completely downhill at that point. You know, when she stopped moving, she didn't have a lot of years left. And so I remember her being active. Then she stopped. So we've got to stay active. Absolutely. And somewhere along the line, I'm going to blame it on the 80s fitness, leg warmer, leotards craze. But exercise became this thing that like you had to do. And it was almost I feel like sometimes exercise is a status symbol. Like I work out seven days a week and I CrossFit and I do this and I do that. And it, we have lost the like reason why we should exercise, which is just to move and f- for the stress reduction and to, you know, we're not supposed to sit at a desk for eight hours a day. So it's just to keep your body like working in the way it's supposed to work. It doesn't have to be a competition or a you don't have to be a marathon runner. You just have to move every day. Yeah. I mean, I'm an athlete, so I subscribe to the, you have to be a marathon runner. No, I'm just joking. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to be hopeless. But God. <laughs> no, but I mean, I do. You do have to move every day. People have different opinions of what movement is, though. 
So yeah, I mean, you know, I, I do think though concentrated movement. So not just like, oh, I kind of move around my house and I do laundry. Like, no, like go for a walk. I don't know, but it doesn't have to be going to a gym. And that's what I do. I mean, talk to patients about all the time. And I do think that's kind of what happened in the eighties was like, oh, I'm going to go to aerobics or I'm going to lift weights. And some people don't like that. I mean, my husband's been to a gym like, you know, five times in his life or whatever, but he's one of the most fit people I know. Now he mountain bikes and he's a very talented athlete. But um, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be. I mean, I tell people go dance with your partner, like go on a walk, make it. I mean, I did it with my kids for a month. Like we would go on a 30 minute walk every day after dinner just to see what it was like, because I tell my patients to do that. And it's actually kind of hard to force like to change your habit to do something like that. But there's so much benefit to exercise. Not I mean, I could talk about exercise for the next four days straight, but I mean, the movement is important. It's important for your mind. I mean, none of these are like one thing in isolation. Like when we talk about sleep and we talk about stress and we talk about diet, we talk about exercise, none of them, like if you imagine a Venn diagram and this was sleep and then, you know, this is stress, they all overlap, you know, there's no, as far as the benefits go and the anti-aging benefits and what they do for you. And so there's no, they, everything works together. I mean, because when you're moving, not only is it the physical like reduction in calories and you're gaining muscle and you're stimulating natural hormone production and you're stimulating your endorphins so you're happier so you're decreasing stress and you're maybe doing it in a community and so just there is a sense of belonging and community which is so important for decreasing stress and increasing happiness and you're going to sleep better and your bowels are going to move and i mean like so many things so i would say those four are the top four for everybody that was decrease your stress get a lot of sleep nutrient-dense food, move your body. Now, anything that's a little wackier out there that you put in there for anti-aging? Not wacky. Wacky might not be the right word for it, but anything more like what I'm off the beaten path that people might not think of, but that they could do that would be impactful. Right. So all the things I do as a physician is kind of where that comes in. So you can do all of those things on your own. You might need some guidance with a nutritionist or a physician who specializes in anti-aging medicine like I do. But I mean, but there's other things you can do, right? Like for example, something that's very tangible that for women, we all go through menopause. Whether you like it or not, we stop we stop producing hormones. And that is just a fact. There's nothing you can do about it. Some people have surgical menopause where they have their uterus and their ovaries removed. And some people naturally stop producing hormones. So that's also, once you stop producing hormones, no matter what reason, that's actually a huge ager. So in women, it kind of drops off in a cliff. Um, and we know that because we have periods. In men, it actually happens slowly over time. They also lose their hormones. And so replacing your hormones is actually, not only does it give you symptomatic relief, but it's actually a huge anti-aging medicine. So stuff like that. There's something called peptide therapy, which is out there. Peptides can help with aging. I mean, so there's a lot of hormones. There's your sex hormones, there's cortisol, there's thyroid. So affecting all of your different hormones in different ways is really anti-aging. I mean, people do stem cell infusions for anti-aging. I haven't seen, honestly, a lot of good research, but I have done it for some of my patients who want it, and they say it like helps them kind of feel better aches and pains-wise. What else is kind of quirky and out there for anti-aging? I mean, there's tons of different supplements you can take for specific parts of aging, you know, for mitochondrial health, which mitochondria is a huge player in longevity and anti-aging field. Your mitochondria is... If you have, like, we're all made up of cells and then inside a cell is your mitochondria and it's an energy producer of your body. And if your mitochondria, your mitochondria get damaged and shrink over time and you have fewer of them. And so if we can help decrease their death, essentially, then we're going to live longer with more energy. And so there's different supplements you can take for mitochondria. There's different IV therapies you can do for mitochondrial health. 
What else is there? There's so many fun things out there. So let me ask you this. Everybody's on the collagen bandwagon and we all know, okay, we all want beautiful skin. We don't want that crepey skin. And as you go through menopause, collagen production goes down. I'm right there now. Right. There's a bazillion collagen powders on the market, but then, you know, you read studies that says taking in collagen orally like that is not really that beneficial for your body, that your body's not using it in that way. How can people naturally like stimulate collagen production? What can they do? So collagen is predominantly made up of amino acids, collagen in your body, not necessarily the powders, but amino acids, vitamin C and vitamin E. So actually I think taking vitamin C and E are very beneficial for collagen. And then, you know, eating some, do you have to take the powder? I mean, if you're a vegetarian, sure, find some vegetarian, like, you know, you need the amino acids. So I don't think that you necessarily need all of the different collagen powders. As long as you're, because your body in your stomach is going to break down the amino acids, no matter how you're getting them, whether you're eating a steak, whether you're taking a powder, whether you're, whatever it is, your body is going to break them down into amino acid chains. So I think just getting enough. Providing the building blocks, really, right? We're putting in the building blocks and it's not, you know, through the form of like a collagen powder that you need to add to your coffee. It's through the food that you're eating that will provide. Because people tend, we're, we're kind of in that that place where it's like, oh, I need collagen. Let me buy some. You know, no. <laughs> well, and that's the interesting thing, too, is so right. That's why, you know, people will be like, oh, well, vitamins don't do anything. And it's like, well. Part of the problem is, well, not the, I mean, I think vitamins do something. Let me just be very clear. Now, is a multivitamin going to do something? Only if you're nutrient deficient, right? So typically a generic multivitamin doesn't do much, much because the manufacturers are trying to put a billion things into one pill, you know, and we eat at least three meals a day usually, right? Or we eat a lot of food in a day. So you're trying to put all of the nutrients into like a pill that you're supposed to get in a day that doesn't work. So there's really not enough of anything that you need, right? Which is really why taking a vitamin D and a vitamin C or whatever for your needs is so much better than just a multi. So, and we get that our food, our, we get it through our foods too. That's that's the goal. Oh, totally. But what I was going to say though is then like over time we have gut issues because we have, you know, whether environmental toxins or we eat poorly or we drink alcohol or we do whatever that is disruptors of our internal system. And so when we're eating, no matter how we're taking in the supplements or the nutrients, sometimes we have trouble absorbing them appropriately. And so the body is super complicated. And so we aren't always able to take in the nutrients appropriately, which is when A, sometimes supplements are good, even though it's oral. But if you're kind of flooding the system, sometimes you can push more through than you would otherwise. But then also why there's so many IV, I think personally, IV vitamins and nutrients that you can do like IV being directly in your veins that bypasses your gut system. And then you really are maximizing your cellular health that way. So I. I mean, you can't do everything in an IV by any means, but sometimes when I see people who have had chronic disease and gut issues, they really need the IVs because their gut isn't going to allow proper nutrient absorption. Now, you're going to get enough nutrient absorption always to survive, but what people come to me for are like, I want to crush life, not like they're surviving, right? <laughs> it's great to hear you say that. I've been to a conference recently and actually I've been to two conferences with the same group and IV therapy right there in there. They're all doing it, all these health professionals. And I'm like, I, they're like, do you want to do one? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but hearing you talk about it, may, the next time I think I'm going to do it, the next time I go to one and they're all doing IV therapy. I noticed that is something that you do in your clinic. How often do, do people come in for the IV therapy? Is that something that's like every other week or? Very much depends on what we're treating. I have, you know, if people are just like, I want health maintenance type of thing, I say monthly is good. 
on average. Now I'm very generalizing, right? But because I'm a f- medical office, so I'm not just a hydration bar, and I actually have a huge issue with hydration bars, but totally different. And you know, I honestly don't think they're well trained, and they're giving you like a ton of fluid with very little nutrients. And so I feel like it's more smoke and mirrors than actual medicine. However, so it depends on what we're treating. I mean, I have some people that were actually treating for cancer and they come in as often as they can, like two or three times a week. And then I have some people that are just here for maintenance once a month. And then I have some people that just come in if they have a cold or a flu and don't feel good. And we give them a super boost of IV vitamin C, which really like immediately, like within an hour can turn someone's world around if they're not feeling good. And for me, I do it if I'm not feeling good and or I do it. And this was pre-COVID even just before I fly because I think planes are dirty messes. And then there's, I mean, so there's a ton of IVs. There's something called IV NAD, which is a really potent form of B3 that you can give yourself, which is really addresses that mitochondrial degradation that I was talking about and lack of energy and really helps people with energy and cognition and I've helped someone with Alzheimer's not cured but just helped with cognition and those you can come in I mean as frequently as you want and the studies for NAD were actually 10 in a row like every day so that was a long way of saying it really depends on your condition we're all different and so what we need is going to vary I mean that's really so true yeah Well, it's kind of like, you know, kids, like we're all the same and we're all different, right? I mean, I have three kids and they all did very similar things, but in different ways, right? So, you know, like growing up, right? And so it's like humans, like there's some very predictive behavior and predictive, like you can kind of tell everyone probably needs vitamin D, you know, or everyone probably needs, I don't know, a B supplement or whatever, and it's definitely not going to harm someone. But then when you have specific issues, that's where you need tweaking and when you need to see a physician. So after you guys work on stress management and sleep and alter your diet a little bit and start exercising and you still don't feel great, then come to ZV. So we've <laughs> talked a lot about stress and managing stress. And something that Jen and I hear from people all the time in our uh, intermittent fasting community, especially, is they come in and they complain that they have been told or they think that they have adrenal fatigue. And, you know, they call it adrenal fatigue or adrenal burnout or or whatever. Is this a new catchphrase for stress, unhealthy, exhausted? Or is this a real medical issue that is taking over the world? I think it is more the number one, but it is also a, co- a combination of both. I mean, so if you go to most physicians, very few physicians are going to recognize that like MDs or DOs as an actual thing because you can't measure it until you get to the point where like oh my god you're literally you're not like a human walking around like if you're a true adrenal fatigue where you're not producing cortisol which is what adrenal fatigue is like you are real bad off like hospitalized right and that's when you can measure it so it's somewhere in the gray zone because i do actually think adrenal fatigue is probably a thing or is a thing but we can't yet measure it so we're measure i mean there are ways of measuring it with spit tests and things like that, but I don't know. This is really, really hard to say like in words. So I do measure it sometimes when I think people have adrenal fatigue, but it's very hard to measure. And so mostly I do think it's stress related. And so what happens, so this is, um, we're talking specifically about a hormone called cortisol, which is produced in your adrenals, which is why it's called adrenal fatigue. And so cortisol is your fight or flight hormone. So we produce it when we're running away from bears, which we don't do anymore. When we're yelling at the car next to us and we're yelling at our kids, like we're producing cortisol. And so your body produces cortisol naturally about 6 a.m. when you wake up in the morning. 
And then over the day, it falls off, right? Because you don't want to be wide awake when you're trying to go to bed at 10 o'clock at night or whatever that pattern is for you. And so it is very natural to produce most cortisol in the morning and then you produce some later and like, you know, it gets less and less as the day goes on. But if you're constantly in that fight or flight mode because you're stressed out all the time, you're going to, your body is going to be producing more and more cortisol pumping it out. But it's not, I mean, but your body still is like this amazing regulator of all things. So it's not just like, oh my God, you're stressed. I'm just going to give you all the cortisol in the world. Like it's not really doing that to lead to adrenal fatigue. However, it's not not doing that either. You can be in fight or flight and stress mode for a long time, which many people are. And then you get what is referred to as adrenal fatigue, which is like your body to really step it up is no longer there when it needs to because you've exhausted your resources. Now, I think it's really hard to get to complete adrenal fatigue. So, But I think the term, like what you're referring to, is more, yes, it's stress. You've produced your cortisol. You can't maintain this level of stress over time and still function. So I don't think your adrenals are actually fatigued. I think everything else in your body, like, so you're still producing cortisol, but so many things, cortisol regulates so many other things in your body. And eventually like your mitochondria that need to produce energy because cortisol is telling them to produce energy so you can go run away from a bear. That is actually going to be fatigued before your adrenals. So I guess I think it's a little bit of a misnomer is a long way of saying that. That makes sense. It's just misunderstood. Your recommendation, if a person thinks that they are suffering from adrenal fatigue, what, like, what would you tell your patients? If they're coming to you and they're burnt out, stressed out, not thriving, Well, that's a very difficult, I mean, so as you know, like the story you told with your son, there is so much value in seeing someone in your office in person, period. I don't care. Even Zoom is better than nothing, but still a different story than having someone in front of me and feeling their energy and their vibe and hearing their story and getting a sense for who they are. All of that is so important in the medical history taking. It's more than just writing the things down. However, writing it down is important. And I read all the things that anybody ever sends to me. But I'm saying that because people often think they want to blame one thing, especially as we get older. Oh, it's adrenal fatigue. That's my problem. Well, let's talk about what your problem is. Let's talk about the lifetime of crap you've been doing to get there. That's actually your problem. The problem is not this. The problem is all the things that happened under the ice. So it's not an easy answer because I really, I spend a lot of time with my patients talking. When someone tells me they have, they're tired or whatever it is that they're, you know, they have a thing and they want to pill for it or they want a quick fix. It's like, well, it, this didn't happen overnight. So the fix isn't going to happen overnight. And so I will, I mean, I can do all the testing in the world. And sometimes we do because we really can't find the issue, but so much of it is, and that's why I said 50% of it's mental health. Like what is really going on? What is going on with your stress? What is going on with your sleep? What's happening with your teenager at home? You know, like, I mean, and I don't need to know their whole story because that would take, which, you know, I have some patients tell me the whole story, but when we really get to the root cause of what is going on, is it adrenal fatigue? No, it's, I mean, not no all the time, but it's all of these things that are leading to this terminology of adrenal fatigue. So I guess that's not really a good answer other than to say it all is really important and relevant to what is causing the issue right now. So the adrenal fatigue or symptoms of adrenal fatigue are really truly a symptom of unhealthy life. Like an imbalance of lifestyle, right? Again, there is real adrenal fatigue. I think I put something, you know, in a similar bucket. I had a patient, let me give you this example. She came to me because I saw her friend and I made her friend feel so much better because I diagnosed essentially her friend with hypothyroidism. It was a very, so I I helped her with her thyroid and she was in menopause. And so we did 
thyroid hormone and sex hormones, changed her friend's life. So then this other friend comes to me and she's like, I have a thyroid issue. And so we drew labs, no thyroid issue. Like not even, I'm willing to, as a physician, stretch the thyroid, you know, like some physicians will be practicing this like one small thyroid bucket. Like I'll, I did all of the thyroid tests and like I couldn't even stretch my imagination to want to give her a thyroid medication because it comes with side effects. Why am I gonna start it? And she, I mean, I'm talking like for six months, she was like, thyroid is my problem. I know this is my problem. And you know, we argued about it. I'm surprised she's still with me, except now she's my biggest fan. However, for six months, she was convinced that, I mean, but it took that long for me. I mean, and so I went into all the things. I mean, her life, her stress, her, we talked about her sex hormones. I told her like, a, I literally, I like to tell my patients this, a pill isn't going to fix you. You're going to fix you. A pill might help change, might start the flow of things. And it really took like six months for her to really hear that. And I still, she's been my patient for two or three years. I haven't given her thyroid. She doesn't need thyroid medicine. I mean, we worked on her other hormones. She actually has major home issues that were never addressed. And she just didn't think, you know, that she's just been burning the candle at both ends and not thinking about that I brought to the surface. Now I'm not a therapist, but I brought to the surface and that's causing her all of the stress in the world. And now she tells me that I've changed her life. But really, again, I didn't change her life. She changed her life. I just had to make her realize that she needed to make life changes, which she was in complete denial about. And so I think a lot of us live there. She wanted to have a thyroid problem because she wanted you to give her a pill to make her feel as good as her friend. And she wanted it to be that easy. But sometimes it's not that easy. It's no, 100% of the time, it's not that easy. Or 99.999% of the time. So yeah, and I say that because it's really, I love what I do because I can help patients get to their, I mean, I love what I do because someone like her, like she's stuck with me. I love what I do because I care. Like if everybody felt great in the world and everybody loved life, this world, like this world would truly be a better place. No joke. If we all walked around like smiling and laughing, right? And so it's like, if I can make a little difference in someone and they can make a difference in two more people and then, you know, it's a ripple effect. And so I really feel like I'm doing that for people, but I can't do that as a physician by just giving you a pill, which is also why I practice the type of medicine I do. And I got out of like standard medicine because otherwise you're just in the rat race and you don't have time to make a difference or help people. I don't feel like I'm making a difference in people's lives. I feel like I'm helping them make a difference in their lives. You're facilitating their change. Do you know you're like the third person we've interviewed in the last couple weeks who has pretty much said the exact same message. Like if I can help this person be happier, then they're going to be, they're going to react with other people better. And then that is going to be a ripple effect and spread. And we're going to have like this better world to live in. And it's so, I don't know, it's inspiring me to hear. But it's a universal truth, right? So it really is. So Dr. Quinn, two final questions. We're almost out of time. First of all, how could people connect with you specifically? And I know, you know, maybe they can't connect with you. How can they find someone like you? I can do virtual and phone visits and things. And so they can go to my website, which is core medicine, spelled with a K, K-O-R-E medicine.com. And all my information is there. You can email me at info at core medicine. I cannot answer specific medical questions unless you are my patient. That is not legal for me to do, but I'm happy to guide you in the right direction. I mean, if you're looking for someone in your state or whatever, just, I guess, shoot an email and I can maybe send you to the right consortium of people or whatever. But I mean, there's so many, so it kind of depends on what you have going on because, but there's plenty of, I mean, you can look at the Institute of Functional Medicine and find practitioners. I'm not on that website, for example, but, you know, look up functional medicine, look up functional medicine in my area. Sometimes it's hard. 
I'm sorry. It kind of depends on what you're looking for. I think more and more people are hoping to find a practitioner that works with them the way that you're working with your patients as a partner instead of just, you you could have just thrown a thyroid pill at that lady and sent her home. She would have been left happy. It would have been easier. She would have left happy. My life would have been easier. But, you know, I do say I don't take insurance for that reason, right? And so that is, you know, people sometimes get mad at me for not taking insurance. I literally went through years of like a mental crisis of like, I want to save the world. And if I don't take insurance, I'm not going to, you know, I went to medicine to help everybody. But the truth is, no matter what, whether you take insurance or don't take insurance, or you're never helping everybody. So I really feel like I'm making a bigger difference. And I say this because I don't want your listeners to think like, oh, I'm going to find a functional medicine practitioner. And then they call and they probably don't take insurance because we can't practice medicine in the way we want or spend time with patients, which is so important in medicine. I think it's a tragedy that insurance companies have forced the hands of physicians. And you really need that time with patients to get to know them to be able to help them, you know, change their lives. So I just want to, you know, be very clear that many, most functional medicine practitioners don't take insurance because it allows them to practice medicine in a way they feel truly makes a difference. Well, Dr. Quinn, thank you so much for being here today. We've really enjoyed being here. And I think you've given our listeners a lot to think about. Yeah, it was very fun. Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And today we're going to talk again about Shapa. You know, this is coming out end of January and we've got, you know, New Year's coming up and then everybody's like, all right, it's January. We're getting back to normal. We've gone through the holidays. And so people become a little weight focused. But Sherry knows this about me, as do most of the audience members. Getting on a scale and seeing that number can just be not a good thing, right, Sherry? For some of us. Some of us are better than others. You weigh, you see a number every day. For me, though, I just can't really stand to see the number, and I haven't, like, seen a number for years. So if you're looking to, you know, hopefully lose some weight, see what's happening with your body, but you don't want to see a number flashing up at the, you from the scale, the shape of scale might be just what you're looking for. In fact, I heard about it from, but guess who? who? Who's the first person who told me about the shape of scale? It was you, Sherry. You remember the conversation that we had about it? We were at Myrtle Beach and at the condo, and you're like, look at the scale. And immediately, I was like, that is genius. You know, because I've been talking for years about weighing daily and then calculating your weekly average so you can get out of that, you know, fluctuation mindset. Like, I remember when I would get on the scale and my weight would be up three pounds overnight, it would freak me out and make me start thinking diety thoughts. And so... Some of us just can't disconnect from the judgment of that number. So the shape of scale is different. Rather than displaying a number, it syncs with your app on your phone, and it gives you a color for the day. And it goes back over like the last 10 days or so to see what your trend is doing. It lets you know if your weight is trending up, which would give you a color that's like a light gray or a dark gray. If it's remaining constant, you would get the color green. If you're, you know, that lets you fluctuate within range, but you can still be green and going up and down as long as your overall trend is staying the same. Or perhaps your weight is trending down, in which case you would get teal or blue. So we know from weighing that body weight can fluctuate by several pounds from one day to the next. And the shape of scale accounts for those fluctuations, adjusts for hormonal weight fluctuations, and it gives you an accurate prediction of what your body weight and body fat percentage is doing in response to 
what you're doing with your dietary and exercise efforts. Do you have anything you want to add about the shape of scale? I think some people get the scale and they're really frustrated because they get on, like they say, okay, this week I'm going to be really good. I'm not going to eat any sweets. And so Monday through Friday, they don't eat any sweets. And then they, on Monday, they weigh in and they're like, I haven't eaten sweets for a week. Something I'm going to have blue today. And they don't because it hasn't had time to catch up to what your behavior change was. So it really is over time. And so you have to really just like keep moving forward positively and you're going to see the results. But what you're not going to see is Sunday night you had pizza with the family while you watched the football game and Monday morning the scale's up four pounds because you had salty pizza. That's not going to affect your Monday morning color. But it will affect what happens over the next 10 days as it calculates your color. Like if Monday your weight's up and Tuesday your weight's up and Wednesday your weight's up and Thursday your weight's up, it's going to start to show up in the color. If you go on a 10-day cruise and you eat everything on the cruise ship for 10 days and you come back, then you're going to start to see your color turn gray. You're going to gain weight. Eventually. Maybe not on day one that you're back, but yeah. But as you get back home and you start adopting your healthier lifestyle again, then you're going to see that later down the road too on your scale too. So, but you don't get that like oh my gosh, I ate pizza and I just gained weight. Just forget it. I'm not even, why even eat healthy today? Because that is a lot of response that a lot of people get when they look at the scale. They didn't get what they wanted. So they get discouraged and they're like, this isn't working. I'm just going to eat whatever I want. And so that is when the scale number can be detrimental to somebody. And by the other thing, people lose weight and they're like, oh my gosh, I lost five pounds. Now I can eat donuts. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite. If I saw the scale go up, which is why I stopped weighing. But if the scale went up, I wouldn't be like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to eat everything. I'd be like, oh, I have to super restrict so it goes down tomorrow. I had those diety thinkings because I wanted to see it go down. So I never like let it go. Instead, I was just like, I've got to diet extra. And when I was in maintenance, you know, when I got to maintenance, that didn't serve me well because I didn't need to lose more weight. But every time I had an upward fluctuation, it would freak me out. (laughs) So that just goes to show you, like I gave an example of what we see people say the scale does to them in community. Jen gave you an example of what the scale does to her mindset. It's so broad in how the scale affects certain people. Now me, I'm just a data person to me. It is just a number. It is a data set. You can see the number. It doesn't give you any judgment. It doesn't make you feel panicked. You're not going to rebel. You're just like, there's a number. But if you're a person that the scale really, you know, you just don't want to see that number. Maybe you never want to see what your weight is ever. That's me. I don't ever want to see a number again. So the shape of scale is for you, 100%. So if you want to get a shape of scale, go to myshapa.com and the promo code life lessons at checkout. They always have a special deal for you for that. And you can also get to the, if you go to lifelessonscommunity.com on the shop with us tab, you can just click right from there, go to Shapa. Don't forget to use the promo code life lessons at checkout. So next we have a segment that we call our listener led lesson. It could be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, 
or anything along those lines. And today's listener-led lesson comes from Sue from Pickering. She says, we faithfully bring reusable fabric grocery bags with us to the grocery store to do our part in reducing single-use plastics. However, some things really need to be wrapped in plastic, and of course, we still have many plastic shopping bags. My husband got the brilliant idea to stuff them into an empty tissue box. He throws that in the back of the car, and if we ever forget our bags, usually because we left them in our other vehicle or need a plastic bag, they are handy. He has actually had multiple people say what a great idea to him at various grocery stores. Funny response to such a simple hack. That really is a great idea empty tissue box. I never thought to put them in an empty tissue box. At my beach cottage, we have somebody that before we bought it, the old owners, they had like an old detergent container and they just stick them in there. So it's like a detergent container full of plastic bags. And when it's time to go home, I pull them out and put my stuff, my food that I need to take home and take it home. So at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. Today's quote comes from Lynn. She wrote, someone posted this on a Facebook gardening group I'm in, and it spoke loudly to me. It's a poem, and the author is unknown of this, but it's, she sat at the back, and they said she was shy. She led from the front, and they hated her pride. They asked her advice, and then questioned her guidance. They branded her loud, then they were shocked by her silence. When she shared no ambition, they said it was sad. So she told them her dreams, and they said she was mad. They told her they'd listen, then covered their ears, and gave her a hug while they laughed at her fears. And she listened to all of it, thinking she should be the girl they told her to be, best as she could. But one day, she asked what was best for herself, instead of trying to please everyone else. So she walked to the forest and stood with the trees. She heard the wind whisper and dance with the leaves. She spoke to the willow, the elm, and the pine, and she told them what she'd been told time after time. She told them she felt she was never enough. She was either too little or far, far too much. Too loud or too quiet, too fierce or too weak, too wise or too foolish, too bold or too meek. Then she found a small clearing surrounded by firs, and she stopped, and she heard what the trees said to her. And she sat there for hours, not wanting to leave. For the forest said nothing. It just let her breathe. That's a powerful poem. You know? I'm going to cry. Sherry's Sherry's (laughs) tearing up. Y'all can't see her, but Sherry's crying. Because, you know, it's true. We're told, oh, speak up. Oh, but don't speak up that much. Right. You know, be yourself, but not like that. (laughs) And I'm laughing because it's, you know, and we we always want to be, you know, what we think we should be. It's do your best and work hard. And then it's like, she's an over an achiever, but don't achieve that much. So that's powerful. Very powerful poem. Well, everybody, we really enjoyed today's episode. I hope that you did too. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, make sure to join our Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already through your favorite podcast app. Can I leave a tip about podcast apps real quick? Sometimes they're wacky. If like, you know, for example, we heard that our podcast wasn't showing up on what was it? Podbean? I don't know. Something. It wasn't showing up on one of them. Look at another one. It's going to come out every Wednesday. So if it's not, if, if you always listen on Podbean and it's not there, Check Apple Podcasts because sometimes a certain podcast 
app will have trouble connecting to wherever the hosting is. Like, like for example, the Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast apparently hasn't shown up on, I don't know, Himalaya for the past three weeks. I can't do anything about that. That's a problem Himalaya is having connecting to my podcast host. But it's been on the other ones. And on the flip side, if you go to more than one site and you don't see the podcast... Then Jen probably forgot to click publish. So do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote, or an area of expertise you'd like to share? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.